Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Offside Rule. It's me, Kate Ball. Say hello, ready and raring to keep you entertained throughout this final international break of the year. And to help me along with this fresh from her latest fighting talk appearance, where we can presume that she finished third because she always does, it's Lindsay <laughs> Hooper. The cheek. I mean, I did finish third, but the last two I won. So hold it, hoops. <laughs> Another lady alongside her, no stranger to fighting talk herself. It's our Italiano queen. It's Mina Rizuke. Hello. Any uh, Pilates for you this week? <laughs> No, but I did have an incident. Oh, please, tell me. <laughs> no, I don't want to tell you. It's too embarrassing. Oh, and I no. don't even know why I mentioned it. Oh, no, it wasn't what I think it is. Like, I think no, I've got no, the same God, No, you guys are thinking discuss something stuff. that happened in Pilates whilst no. you were holding a pose. No, <laughs> no but I've been going... that happens a lot. <laughs> it does happen a lot. I've been, I've been present when it's happened. I thought that happened. was yoga. I didn't realise that was Pilates. Well, I think any... Any, any, I think anything to do with any, that area any of the downward body. movements and air needing to escape. Yes, it uh, can happen. Well, it wasn't those Folding types of problems. Down. Go on. But I did have, so I've reached in, you know, a nice intermediate to advanced level. And I've been going to the same instructor now for ages. And I got one of my poses wrong for the glute stretch, which is lying on How your side. Could you? And then he came to sort of, you know, correct the pose. But I all of a sudden started to feel like, oh, I might fancy you now. <laughs> oh, no, I was all. And I was like, I don't know what just happened. And it, either it's been a really long time since I felt this way about something. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I cancelled all the rest of my classes for the last two weeks. Oh, no. Because Why? I'm like, this is so bizarre. I don't want to see this guy at the moment because I'm feeling really weird things. That is very strange. But he might feel them back. I mean, you do look like Sandy from Greece right now <laughs> as we're sat here. Yeah. I, that uh, reveal moment. Couldn't wear the jeans, so I've got leather pants <laughs> and an off-the-shoulder top. <laughs> if you're listening to us, by the way, we will be putting photos out on social media. Uh, Mina is the Sandy to our greasy podcast. Don't know. Don't, don't think that works. Anyway, fighting talk quickly. Lindsay, for you, third... Yes, again? Okay. (laughs) So this is Five Lives Fighting Talk, where uh, a panel of contestants fight it out together to give the most sort of bizarre answers, really, I suppose, to questions. Well, the the answers that impress Colin Murray the most, I guess, because he he tends to score it. partial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I I had, and I will say it again, I had one, two in a row. (laughs) Um, Do you want a plaque? (laughs) I feel like you're really... No, but I had, had, you know, famous come third quite a few times in a row and yeah I'm back to that position again I was leading for a while but you know what it was such a good laugh and like Mina's done it before it's not about the the finishing position mm. it's about the the enjoyment you have doing it who were you up against hey, you know who you says think? these things about it's not who ends up winning she doesn't game. mean it she doesn't mean <laughs> it at all she's just that's why I've glossed over it well and the, neither would you with your naked ambition well and I didn't stand a chance the champion of champions was on Martin Kellner he was going to win it and then I have to say Ivo Graham was brilliant I nearly did you know when I go into hysterics Kate and I yes. and I get the whole crying with laughter yes. I nearly had oh my a god fit. really yes because it was it was euphemisms I have to say but there was oh did you get them right though because <laughs> no it wasn't mine euphemisms are the, are the <laughs> not perhaps the worst area for you Martin Kellner was batting them up there for uh, for Ivo to then bat them away yeah and 
it just happened a couple in succession. So whereby one of the answers Mark Schwartzer had said about offloading. And then the next thing, Martin <laughs> Kellner was saying about taking his wife up the oh, Salt please, Lake City or something. Please, and I was please. just like, whoa. Sounds like sounds, our farmer jokes. Yes, it sounds like it got out of hand. Apart from farmers, we're going to be talking football today. Lots of it. Um, I know that you're on a triple header of podcasts, Lindsay. So her main challenge of the day is not to repeat anything she says <laughs> in any podcast and oh, to God. try and remember what she said out loud and what She's well, luckily this internally. one's first, so this is all the <laughs> yeah. original stuff. Oh, this is the original. You catch her fresh, folks. Uh, a quick reminder that we're on Jack Radio Fridays at the new time of four o'clock. So one for the language, no farmer jokes, Mina Rizuki now, I'm afraid. We're on a cleaner time. Okay, I'll be a lot more PG. Please do. Uh, this week then, as we're feeling fine, well, Frank Lampard is anyway, uh, we're going to set our own offside rule fines. Uh, this is after Frank Lampard uh, put up Chelsea's uh, list of fines earlier this week. I fear that producer Abby is already totting up our fines after we were all, well, Lindsay, you were on time. I was 10 minutes late today. Mina was stuck in traffic. I was back and a little I'm bit the later. only one that got away lightly. How yes. did you manage that this time around? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Uh, and we've got our very own Euro 2020 predictions competition as well. We're just going to be looking at which teams we think are going to perform there, which ones are qualified already. But first... Bobby Moore led England up to the Royal Box to receive the Jules Rimet Cup and the winners' medals. To be here as winners of the FA Cup has often been described as the summit of a footballer's ambition. How much greater was the triumph they enjoyed now. And uh, down goes Gerard, but the ball's in the net. And the captain has sent England to Brazil. Lampard! Did it go in? No, say the officials. Over the line or not? Yes. Most definitely, it's well over. England are denied an equaliser. Yes! Yes for England! David Beckham has done it, big time. It's time for Wayne Rooney. 50 up for England. For England's all-time leading goalscorer, it's Wayne Rooney's record-breaker. Okay, so the 100 Club, it's the international break at the moment, and we've all been talking 1,000, haven't we? As in uh, England's 1,000th match on Thursday night. Uh, Lindsay, you've been with Gareth Southgate uh, this week. Yeah, in one of my favourite locations. You know when they do the um, England press conferences at the Grove? The Grove Hotel, <gasps> yes. Such a beautiful venue. I always think one day, if I get married... <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I love that you're scouting locations. I on know. The, job. the thing is, it would cost an absolute fortune more than the fines on the Chelsea list that we'll come to <laughs> later. But um, anyway, I, so I was at the press conference uh, ahead of the Montenegro match, and Gareth Southgate, as part of that, was asked about this one one thousandth international for England mm. and looking back, what was you know the standout game or the standout squad for him, and he he very quickly went back to two thousand and four and spoke about the 
calibre of players in that team. So you're talking David Beckham, Rio Ferdinand, Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, uh, Sol Campbell, Ledley King. You know, you've got Rooney, Gerrard, Ashley Cole, Scholes. We could keep going on. Yeah, and we've got so many of those, a couple of them that you wouldn't expect that aren't in it, but a lot of those that are in the 100 club. And it got me thinking, and that's why I pitched this forward for, for us to discuss, because actually Gareth Southgate is the one reason why we really are struggling to get any more players into the 100 mm. club. Now, that might be for a good reason. You know, there's been lots of youth that have been given the chance to come through, a lot of young players. But I would even argue now that because he does this, I'm going to reward on form. Yes. That we're getting a lot of players that, are getting caps pretty, I'm going to say it, willy-nilly. You know, it doesn't take much to get an England cap now. Are oh, we losing that? It Lindsay. doesn't. It really doesn't. Do no, you think I we've that. got a bigger talent bank and that's why it's more dispersed, perhaps, in terms of caps? I think it happened at the right point that we needed a refresh and a reset mm. button. And other nations have done this. Spain have done it. Germany have done it. Where they've literally had to just let the old guard go and bring through the new. And the, there was none of that that I objected to at all. Mm. But I do think that now, a few years on, we've already had these newer players come in and gel. And we're still getting a lot of new introductions. One cap here, one cap there. I mean, if we actually turn this into a, dis a discussion about one caps, mm. we'd have so many answers we could give now, which yeah. at one point you wouldn't. Do you know, funnily enough... Just having a quick look at the caps now, as I am, um, Raheem Sterling, well, he's only 24 and got 55 caps. So you'd say out of all the current crop of England team. I was going to come on to him to say that I do think there's the odd exception where we will get people going into the yeah. 100 club. He could be one of them. But I honestly believe you have got to be A, You're lucky with injuries. You, mm. ca you can't be injured. And you also need to be world class. And I think Sterling is that one yeah. player that we've got in the side that is. And actually, here's a really good example of what you've been speaking about. Jordan Henderson, he's 29, he's on 55 caps. So likelihood is... I don't think he'll get to 100. He, no, of course no. he won't. Well, I don't think he... He might prove me wrong, of course. Rooney retired last year on 120 caps, so he could be uh, the last one that we see for a while. The highest place player currently playing, although, of course, he's not playing for England, is James Milner, who's on 61 caps. OK, so out of all the veterans uh, or the more experienced players, who do you, when you're saying willy-nilly, who would you prefer to have instead of these like youngsters being given a shot? I agree with you in the sense of the one-cap club, but... I don't know how many of the veterans or the experienced stars that England have. I would say, yeah, I'd really want him in there. Like, I would prefer to see someone like Van, Van Bissaka at the moment rather than Carl Walker sometimes. I, I don't, mm. Just because I feel like he might be able to provide something more. Although my worry is with all these people approaching and, and like the Euros with all these kids and all the creativity is that you, you will lack consistency and you could burn them out. Because when it comes to the big matches and you need players to manage the game, the right moments, knowing exactly when to do. In Italy, we have a word for it, which is, you know, for example, like getting a, a free kick at the final minutes, you know, in, in, a, in a dangerous position, knowing when to sort of dive, <laughs> things like that. And these are things that you get with experience sometimes. You I, know? Think, I think this spills over into the Premier League as well in terms of younger players that are getting opportunities. Well, you certainly know, at Chelsea. Chelsea, that's been happening. But we've, se we've seen it across the board where, you know, teenagers mm. are getting minutes, valuable minutes. And, and I, would, I would even say that the argument goes as far as to say, can you even play as long into your career anymore? I think that the retirement age, once maybe was 35, is probably nearer 30 and now. And that's weird because, because 
you've got replacements coming oh, through. Well, yeah, and, and, and also that goes against advances in medical science. So you'd have thought people would be retiring later and later. Man, I don't agree with that. I still think when it comes to quality, mm. like Luca Modric, Sergio Busquets. Well, there are some great Italian examples as well. I mean, Italy there, loves to hold on to like 38-year-old players. Um, but, you know, Buffon is still there in, in mm. Juventus. I think it's... What I do think is that it changed for a lot of them. They had this quality side in the sense of Spain had this amazing side that obviously won so much. And and so did Germany. And I think, and so did Italy. And with Italy, there was a huge gap. It was like after 2006, they didn't really produce that, mm-hmm. many, that many kids that were really making the cut. And now they have a bunch of kids, but perhaps without the experience. So I think that there's been sort of a drought for some of these people. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it's a whole shift change. Like with Germany, we saw that the veterans weren't working in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And he's been asked, to just sort of like, you know, well, yeah, rip the team arguably apart. preparing for the World Cup in Germany, he had a whole host of young... In fact, there was a whole plan there in Germany, yeah, you know, built up from 2002 onwards to kind of build this team. So there was a lot of youngsters coming into that and those youngsters have aged. And it's the same for Gareth Southgate. You know, he came in and has made sweeping changes to his side. And that England side is now, or, or certainly has been, younger uh, than the, in recent years. The one years. thing that hasn't changed, though, over the history of time is that there has always been very young, talented players. Mm. So it isn't like there are so many more now. You know, there might be incrementally a few more but it's not going to be drastic you know over time managers used to protect the younger players that's what happened Mm. and now that isn't happening as much so at 17 18 I would ask what is the point of having the under 21s if it's 17 18 you're playing for the seniors now there is the odd talent that's broken through he does manage that fairly well though but it's also money I think he does it's money back then you you protected those uh, your great assets because you know what are you going to sell them for nowadays when Kylian Mbappe is worth up to half a billion if they sell him two years and you think about the fact that how much De Ligt went for how much De Jong went for how much all the Callum Hudson-Odoi was being you know the, the, the prices that were for a player that wasn't even playing for Chelsea you know it's ridiculous when you see Jadon Sancho kick on and everyone's like oh he's worth 100 million because he's only about this age so think of how much we can get out of him investment yeah so now you want to keep selling them and I agree with you another example then of money ruining the game you know we're going to come on to the fines later which I I have to say not one of us could afford to pay one of those fines I have got some lower league fines for us by the way (laughs) which are kind of more in our league I can be one minute late to something So you're done for today. Oh, I'm done for today for sure. Um, Here are a few quick facts for you as we wrap this up. The youngest international for England, Theo Walcott, aged 17 years and 75 days. Uh, 47 caps, still only 30 years old, but he's not going to find a way back into that side, is he? So that's an interesting one. Uh, The oldest, Stanley Matthews, was 42 when he faced Denmark in 1957, but still only ended his career with 54 caps. However, the war had probably quite a lot to do with that. The oldest debutante, there is always hope yet, folks. Uh, Alec Morton was uh, about 41. His age is disputed uh, when he captained England from goal uh, in only the second full international in 1873. There you go. So I think we're going back too far. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't think I can remember that one. Um, so interesting how all that works out. And just a quick one to throw in. Of course, the Lionesses have produced so many in the 100 Club, more than the men and not just the 100 Club. Some of them, currently Jill Scott, 146 caps, 
200. I mean, I don't know whether she'll get there, but she's still playing great. That so. is going to be one of the key differences between the men's team and the Lionesses, because the Lionesses are going to continue, I, I would argue, mm. to produce those 100 club. And I don't even think we're talking 100. 50 caps is really hard now in the men's game mm. to get to 50. And I think we're going to see so many more in the women's. And that's going to be another disparity between the two. Well, England aren't short of players at the moment, that's for sure. And long may it continue, I say. Uh, OK, next, let's head over to the continent. Hello, yes, you listening right now. Have you heard about our WSL show? No? What? It's because you've always skipped this bit of the pod. Well, don't skip this time because I'm going to tell you about something quite special. Well, it's our WSL pod and it features a huge Chelsea and Lioness star, Anita Asante, this week. We've been talking... England selling out Wembley at the weekend. Uh, nearly 80,000 people there for that one. Lindsay and myself go through uh, the WSL games coming up this weekend as well. We'll also hear from Phil Neville, Nikita Paris, Lucy Bronze and Pauline Bremer from Germany. Name after name after name. I'm sure you can agree. It's a great show. That's the Offside Rule WSL edition out every week. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasting app. It's on its own feed. So wherever you're listening, type in WSL and jump on board. This is The Offside Rule with me, Kate Borsley, joined by Lindsay Hooper and Mina Rizuki. OK, next up, and the winner is... Well, with the Euros just a mere seven months away, we're taking an opportunity to tell you what will happen come the 12th of July 2020, and the Henri Delaunay trophy is raised. So we're recording this on a Thursday morning. Uh, spoiler alert. So far, uh, it's just Poland, Ukraine, Belgium, Italy, Spain and Russia who've qualified for next season's multi-venue tournament. Uh, but Mina... Who's going to make the headlines? For good or bad reasons? Any. <clears throat> I'll take any reasons at all. I think Ukraine will uh, cause a little bit of a stir. They might be a lot better than you would imagine mm. them to be. They missed out narrowly on, well, maybe not narrowly, but they missed out on a World Cup place. And Someone uh, else missed out on a World Cup place as well, didn't they? <clears throat> yeah, but we're great now. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> I, I actually think, because I was looking and doing a bit of research about the Euros a few weeks ago, I think Ukraine hadn't lost since November 2017 or something ridiculous. They haven't lost, yeah. yeah. They're doing amazing work under Shevchenko. A lot of people at the time, because, you know, they were so poor in, in 2016 and they sort of were like, you know, how can you bring in Shevchenko? He was an assistant. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's inexperienced. And to be honest, I, I'm not very fond of just being bringing on icons and thinking they can run everything. Although Lampard and Shevchenko are really changing things around, yeah. you know. And they're undefeated. They're... They beat Portugal in their group. They're really wonderful to watch because considering the fact that they don't have that many technical players, they do actually know how to keep the ball, play creative, nice football and still manage to keep that combative edge to them. So I think they'll be exciting to watch. I think Italy will be exciting to watch because this is no longer the side that, you know, has the iconic old stars of, you know, that we're used to, but just a bunch of kids right now who are making the difference. Well, one word on Ukraine as well, with Shevchenko being in charge, the thing that I found most surprising is how sure they've been in defence because him being an attacking player, mm. but they haven't conceded many goals at all. Why do you think that is? Is it the coach? No, his, uh, his partner is Italian. Oh. <laughs> we see the Italian influence come in again. Let's just have a quick chat on England as well, though. Hoops, realistically, what are their chances? 
Um, I don't think that they're, they're going to get to the semi-finals like they did in the last tournament in Russia for the World Cup. And I feel like I'm... I'm not actually basing that on anything other than just a gut feeling that I think that they'll probably get to the quarters mm. for this one. Um, I think that there's a, there's a lot going well for England, but I still think we're quite a few years off really putting a great run together. And I think that side of the draw that we had in Russia was very favourable. And I think there are a few European teams coming through, like Kosovo, for instance, as well, that have really surprised. And, and the standard is much, much higher than it used to be. Where do we rate someone like Belgium? Belgium will be one of the favourites, I'm sure. I'm sure it would be really easy as well for me to mention France because I think they're going to be one of the favourites. They are the favourites. I'm, I'm just having a quick look at this now, actually. I think France they're the only one. team that I really trust at the moment when it comes to France because they sort of look like the only team that has that star quality that I mm. think has been missing, to be honest. But it's taken them a while to get there, hasn't it? I think in terms of, of producing ultimate performances, it's always taken them a while to get to the point where... Where, where they can produce on the pitch. It's not just about all the kind of um, parts. It's about the sum of the parts together, right? Well, they've never had a tournament like, for instance, Brazil have, where they've absolutely blown people out of the water all the way to get to the final. I would have said that France... Well, not, uh, well, not recently, no. Not recently, but France has been sort of a step up from Portugal when Portugal won the Euros and hadn't really Which is sad, dazzled. Though. But it's sad, though, considering the kind of talents that France does have. And it's weird when you think of how many good players they have in the attacking lineup, from Griezmann to Mbappe, for them to be quite a cautious side at times. Mm. But you look at that, and you know back then you used to say Germany and everyone would be like, ooh, scared. Italy, ooh, scared. Spain... But right now, Spain look a little bit average. Italy is not a very experienced. Germany, you have no idea what side's going to show up. Mm. I'm, I'm still not that confident when it comes to the Dutch because I think that, yeah, they have some good quality there. But if you look at that lineup, I'm not sure how much I trust them going forward. I don't see any big names. Belgium, I'm never going to really trust in Martinez. I have an issue with the coaching s system over there. So it, it's strange. I don't look at a team and think to myself... Yeah, I can definitely see yeah. you going far. So the favourites of France at four to one. England are then the next favourites, which I just think is ridiculous, and probably just because I'm looking at an English betting site. Some, then of Belgium. That, some of that as well is because you know the big games are going to be in England. Um, yeah. Wembley's hosting quite a few, but you've got to get to those matches because yeah. it's the later stages, isn't um, it? Germany fourth favourites at nine to one. I have here so far. Let's talk Wales because they've got to win the next two, haven't they, to be able to get through? And it's, I just thought that the story under Chris Coleman for them was immense, wasn't it? Last mm. time out, and it was a lovely story, and we all enjoyed it um, out in France, Lindsay. Um, will this Welsh team? do it what are your early predictions I think uh, Gareth Bale is although he's been out with an injury hasn't he for Real Madrid I think he is back um, for their games Zidane made a really loaded mm. comment about that oh go on well he basically just said you know oh he's he's no longer injured but he's unavailable um, basically saying that he's saving himself for the Welsh team mm. uh, rather than the side that's paying his wages so. mm. well Azerbaijan and Hungary are the two must win games for them and Aaron Ramsey is going to play a big part I think as well as Gareth Bale I think yeah. he will be one of those decisive players in those matches I'm not sure I, I don't I don't hold out the most confidence. Um, I am going to please Mina though because my dark horses are Italy. Really? Yes, they are. Um, 
I think that Italy are quite capable of doing what England did at the World Cup and having a real good run in a tournament. Uh, Mancini, I think he's he's been brilliant doing this rebuilding exercise with the team. Uh, they they obviously had that stint, as you'll recall, where they failed to get past the quarterfinal stage for about seven years in a row. But he's handed 20 players international debuts. He's been doing what Gareth Southgate's been doing. Yeah. But I think when you have that at the beginning, it certainly works really well. Everyone's got something to prove and less fear as well going on to that stage because there isn't that expectation. And when there isn't the expectation and the hype, often you you overperform. Mm. He's lost just twice Mancini since taking over from Italy. They're currently um, on a really good winning run and scored plenty of goals, not conceded that many. And that's all boding well. Weirdly enough, though, I don't trust their attacking lineup because I just don't feel like they have a really you know, good striker. Whereas you look at Poland and they've got sort of three really great strikers, but then you mm. worry for the rest of the team. I, I, in Italy, you're just like, who's going to be the guy that scores the goals? Right now, it's all of them chipping in. Chipping in together rather than the out and out, absolutely yeah. lethal. Someone you can like, you know, like a scorer. hurricane kind of figure. Um, let's talk Finland because one of the stories of qualifying so far is Finland. They can reach a first major tournament with a win against Liechtenstein. Um, they'll only need a draw if Bosnia and Herzegovina fail to beat Italy. Who's the big story of Finland? Of course, it's Puki. Will Puki get his fluky back and start scoring? He's scored <laughs> seven in eight qualifiers. Definitely the man who gets things going perhaps if he does he can bring some of it back to Norwich but yeah one to one to keep an eye on let's hope for um, a bit of a bit of a romantic European uh, story with Finland of course it'll depend a lot on the draw and that's taking place at the end of this month uh, where not every team will know whether they've qualified or not so one to look out for this is the offside rule from Muddy Knees Media well, for our third topic, Mina, you were 13 minutes late today, so that'll be £130, please. All right, Mina, well, I'm just counting out the £10 notes now. Um, I love this topic, by the way. Uh, Frankie's fines. Frankie's feeling finey. Don't know what I'm talking about. Well, Chelsea's Frank Lampard, Chelsea manager, has uh, basically declared what the team's fines are. Well, in that case, can I point out that you've added that up wrong? Because the Chelsea fine system for every minute late was £500. OK, well, that's So this is, we're talking Mina owns, owes thousands. How you much exactly? I want to see your arithmetic. <laughs> Hang on a minute. So 13 <laughs> minutes. Were you 13 minutes by 13 f- times five? That's, that's uh, 13 times 500. 6,500. <laughs> A in maths, I did not get. Uh, let's have a look at some of these then. And then I'd like your suggestions, please, or some examples of other ridiculous fines. Um, what's late in gym for pre-activation? Are they all robots now at Chelsea? Press the pre-activation mode. (laughs) Uh, £1,000, by the way, if you're late for that. Phone ringing during the team meal or meeting, that's £1,000. Refusal or not turning up for corporate or community duties, five grand. On on a serious note, I've got beef with this. Go on. We all know, and I think we all accept and can silently accept that footballers get paid astronomical wages Mm. but what I don't want to do is see this there are people that go out to work and barely earn you know 100 150 pounds a day and we're talking about fines that is that is tantamount to some people's monthly wages yes more than that and I think it makes me a bit sick to the stomach and the fact that it's you know for being a minute late or for for not taking your job you know ultimately these fines are in place because you're not actually performing and, and doing what's expected of you yet you're on thousands and hundreds of thousands of pounds per week do these fines go to charity though 
No, sometimes I, I think, just don't I think there's a, the disclaimer at the end is either charity or the Christmas party or something yeah. to do yeah. with the for the team like outing. But it, no, it's sickening for everyday people, the people that watch football and go. I think we all accept and we know that it goes on, but don't put it in our faces. I don't want to see it written down. I don't want to see the figures of Point. these things that are like that, that. That is like the equivalent of us throwing in a fiver. OK. Yeah. And. It makes me feel really... A little bit ill. There's yeah. one that's 20,000. That yes. is an annual so, like salary. So, yeah. so, so basically late for start of training, 20 grand. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, is that 20 grand. But, I mean... If you were stuck on stuck in traffic or something, it just it, you know what I know all this fines you. list does is yeah. highlight how much they're living in the a completely inequality. different universe to the rest of us. Well, look, I'm going to ask you to just put that to one side as I okay. give you some player fines from a lower league. Should we have side a bit of fun instead? Yeah. Okay. okay. So if you don't attend curry night for this particular side, by the way, it's a pound for you. All skippers' fines are double. Dirty boots a pound. No shower a pound. <laughs> <laughs> and and you a, need to put a pound dinner. in the jar, Kate. It was a late night last night. A shower. Oh, um, talking back to management, gaffer's decision, a pound. Getting nutmegged in a game. <laughs> How dare you show us up? That's a pound, please. <laughs> getting man of the match, a pound. Why are people being fined? For getting man of the match. Swindon Town, here's a few from them. Uh, late for meetings or videos, £20 plus £5 per minute. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Mm, for a Swindon minute, Town yeah. player, nothing against them. No flip-flops in the shower, £10. How much do you get fined for urinating in the shower? Oh, well, I hope it's a lot. That should be a thousand. Well, what for Swindon Town? <laughs> I don't care. It should be that for anyone. £10. Uh, it's not enough. Sorry. Let's let's think about either other examples of fines if you've got them, please, or some offside fines. What can we come up with? I've come up with some offside rule ones. Mm. So for every podcast, um, you have a fine for more than five mentions of VAR. It's going to be hard to do at the moment, isn't it? Most outlandish claims, like when on the WSL edition, I said that Liverpool would do really well in the WSL at the start of the season. I should be fined for that. Oh, well, maybe bad bad prediction. The, the key one for us, which is what Kate and I do so often, I'm also going to glance aside eye at producer Abby, forgetting to take a photograph at the end of each podcast. Yes. We should have a fine in place for that. We totally should. Do you forget? We do sometimes, yeah. yeah. I, we've let people walk out and we haven't done the promotional We've, we've taken photo. some rubbish ones recently. In fact, that's why Mina's in today. No other reason is than that your just brilliant a... filter app thing, which <laughs> makes us look beautiful. Don't give people the idea <laughs> that we're not naturally this beautiful. <laughs> we have got as well, we've got an offside rule at social this weekend during the international break. We're going to junkyard golf, yes. like mini golf. So we have our annual social with a lot of the people that work on the podcast. And I'm going to say a fine for anyone who puts any photos up where me and you, Kate, in particular, look merry. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's happened before where I've looked a bit dazed. And I have brownie points then if you look unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> not so much unhappy, but just not... Sozzled. Not sozzled, mm. yes. Um, and then I'm going to say, because I've had this a few times in press boxes, which sounds awful, but um, a lot of male journalists... I say a lot. I've maybe had it four or five times over mm. the time that we've been doing the podcast. Have asked me, "Oh, could I could I be on the podcast with you with you and Kate?" Do they really? 
really? Yeah, and I, I'm like, that. no, we don't have not we don't have boys on this one. That's yeah. the whole point is that women haven't had an opinion. You've had one for years. Yes, um, and that's why we have the offside rule Thursdays. We do, of course, welcome the likes of Kieran, Rich Laverty, everybody onto the WSL edition. We want it to be all encompassing for the women's game, but for the men's game, get lost, have a fine. (laughs) Mina, (laughs) what fines would you like to introduce? One, I do want a very large fine for anyone who leaves the bathroom without washing their hands. This really yes, bothers I'm me. I'm with you on that one. And I've seen so many people do it, and we and I and you're like, no, I'm standing. And then they touch the door handle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, disgusting. Yeah, and then you avoid it, don't you? Yes. Yeah. I would also like to have a fine in in for footballers and big clubs or whatever you know the ones that are in Champions League at least. That if you do decide to walk off petulantly off the pitch because you've been subbed off, and the journalists have to then explain your behaviour in 15 different podcasts, 13 different radio shows, and a whole ESPN. A podcast Segment, dedicated yeah. to it, um, aka Cristiano Ronaldo over the weekend, then I think that all the money that you should be fined should be like handed to these journalists that have had to answer so <laughs> many questions about this. I mean, I've had to wake up at random hours in the night to talk to American broadcasters, to talk to, to you know, English morning shows about whether or not this is a storm in a teacup. Wow. Don't walk off the pitch like no. that. You know? Do you think we should just overall find petulance? Because, you know, interestingly enough, the fine sheets that don't don't actually mention petulance. They mention getting sent off or making a bad tackle, but they don't mention petulance. And I think fined or fining yeah. for petulance is one. Um, here's a bizarre one, by the way. I've just found Walsall FC player fines for this season. This was tweeted um, within the last couple of days. Hats at lunch will cost you a fiver. How weird. Can't wear a hat at what lunch about at Walsall. Merited, what about merited petulance? Merited petulance, right? How does so, that work? For example, because I've got two kids, and I can tell you, it's never merited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about if you sort of lose your rag because I don't know you play for uh, Newcastle and Saint Maximin is just like you know head down, doesn't like look to see where you are and or deliver the perfect pass to you, or Sani getting angry because you felt like you know I mean Why stuff don't they like just that. Be professional. And just, I think emotions spill over, and sometimes yeah, that's, that's what that's what fans want to see. What is about a bit of the emotion. Raheem Sterling, Joe Gomez petulance? Petulance from Raheem Sterling. I mean, he was, I guess, fined by not being able to take part in the England game. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, and we don't know exactly what's happened there. Um, well, we do. We've had loads of reports on it. Well, we have had reports on it, but we don't know exactly what was said. And I do think that that by being there, you would know how bad it was. Well, I think I think Sterling admitted responsibility, and well, yeah, I clearly he was egged on by the Liverpool yeah. fans, and it was a carryover from the next day. And you know, according to what's in the Athletic, anyway, um, Gomez, the Holy Grail, the, yeah. the Holy Grail, <laughs> Gomez walked over and said hello to everyone, just innocently said hello to Sterling, and um, Sterling took offence to that. But anyway, that's done. Um, a few quick ones for me. How about we find someone every time when we say we're a sports journalist, they ask if we actually like football. Yeah. Yeah, what is that, by the way? God knows, God knows. How about a fine just for football cliches in general? And I think Stuart Pearce needs to pay a lot of attention to this one because a lot of what comes out of that, although he's a very nice man, there are too many cliches. I do love cliches. I don't. So some more suggested fines there. If you've got any, you can get in touch with us at Offside Rule Pod with your fine suggestions. Well, before we wrap up, it's time for some quick fire any other business, the part of the show where we talk about the smaller stories that you might have missed this week. How about this? An unfortunate incident involving VAR, but not quite how you might think it. The game in Israel between Maccabi Haifa and uh, Baitar Jerusalem. In the 93rd minute, the referee went pitch side to look at the monitor to check claims of a handball. 
inside the box. Uh, the images come up on the screen, of course. What did we see? We saw pictures of a car park. The camera was seemingly <laughs> being held by someone walking through the parked cars. <laughs> 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 maybe that's the reason we haven't got the pitch side monitors yet <laughs> just in case we get car parks <laughs> apparently it was all okay there, because there was a second camera which showed the incident but I just love the idea of someone hacking the VAR cameras or just odd things happening with VAR cameras that like end up in the changing room in the toilet anything. oh it's so going to happen in the, one day in the digital mm. age <laughs> Uh, FIFA's announced that uh, former Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger's been named as the governing body's new chief of global football development. Good. He said I think he'll be great. Yeah, he said he's delighted to have won the role after saying, I did not see it until someone flagged up the job advert to him. <laughs> uh, Lindsay? And by the way, I think he'll be a great fit there. It's the sort of job that I thought straight away after Arsenal yes. he should have gone for. And he's a man that screams integrity. Intelligence. Yes. Does he belong at FIFA then? Nice singer there. Um, I was going to mention about cancellations for matches and abandoned matches at the moment. We've entered that time of year. So we've had matches that have been postponed because of flooding recently and we're going to get the frozen pitch soon. Mm. That's going to happen. And it, it reminded me of a, a very unusual one down in Torquay where a match was postponed because of an eclipse. Because of an eclipse? Yeah. Um, this was many, many years ago at Torquay United. And that was because the police, there was it, it was such a big event, this eclipse, on, and it was an evening kickoff, that the police felt that they needed their services to be at this eclipse where everyone was gathering and that there could have been spillovers from, from that. Um, so they didn't have enough staff to, to do the football match. I wonder if, if Donald Trump was there looking at it with, with Anne in glasses. But anyway... I also wanted to mention something in the sense of, you know, we talked about just the player fines. What about yeah. coaching fines when yes, they say rather ridiculous things or just embarrass the club in general? And sometimes it's all like, oh, well, I don't think he means it, you know, when, for example, Pep Guardiola says, you know, Mane's a diver. Um, or when they chew like gum while they're speaking. Sam Allardyce. Or, yeah, exactly. Or, or Antonio yeah. Conte ranting that his squad is not good enough because he doesn't have Lionel Messi mm. and Neymar on the bench. And it's like, well, dude. You're right. You know? You're right. There is definitely something to that. I think we could maybe do like a little jar, couldn't we, for them? And just, you know, we'd like £10,000 for our podcast, please. We'd like, <laughs> we'd like this and the other. <laughs> a quick one from me on the Vicky Orvice memorial dinner that we went to this week, Lindsay. Lovely, yeah. um, in aid of the Royal Marsden, and it was a lovely affair. Vicky, if you haven't heard of her, is a sports journalist and was a trailblazer and part of the Women in Football Network as well. Uh, she was one of the first women... On the sport journalist scene, I suppose, mm. on the beat. Uh, she covered athletics for the Sun and football as well. And um, there were some wonderful tributes to her as well. Uh, she was a brilliant writer. And I know she's inspired loads of young women um, to get into writing and to get into sports journalism as well. So I'm not sure how much was raised, but we had a really lovely time at the do, didn't we? We did. And a lovely gospel choir that performed. There was a few mentions from the ladies nearby me because her parish vicar got up a um, bit fleabag. Yes. Yeah. Now, I miss the vicar, but I did see him later, and I can confirm he was quite hot in a yeah. vicarish kind of way. Yeah, he was there. Some lovely anecdotes and speeches and videos and just that sort of celebration night that you, that you know that everybody wanted yeah. to have for her and it, yeah. was, it was lovely. Yeah, it was a great tribute to Vicky Orvice. And we must thank as well Sport Interactive that actually had us on their table for that. Yeah, thank you very much to them as well. All right, that's it. Uh, the end of our show has 
beckoned us near. Uh, remember to keep up with us across the week via our social media accounts. It's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. <laughs> you never know what kind of drama might go on there. And you can hear us on Jack Radio at four o'clock. It's a new time on Jack. Uh, and if you want to read some of the brilliant things our team have been writing, head on over to OffsideRulePodcast.com for the latest there. There are, as ever, some opinion pieces. There's some stuff on uh, the Lionesses there as well as weekend wanderings and all kind of digestive stuff. We've got our pod party, our social, this weekend, so we shall report back next week and tell you who won the golf. If it's not Lindsay, there may be an outburst, there may be a fine. Sure, come uh, third. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lindsay Hooper, Mina Rizuki, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back with more next week, but for now, that's it. Goodbye. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Podcast Network.